um, from Luke's gospel. It's uh, communion, the Lord's Supper, and uh, I've got just some reflections on, on one of those words that Jesus brings from the cross. And hope that blesses you as we prepare to share in this meal. So in Luke chapter 23 and verses 26 onwards. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on the way in from the country, and put the cross on him, and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us and the hills cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked them. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when, I come, when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he'd said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. The last words of Jesus recorded in Luke, Father, into your hands I commit your, my spirit. 
It's as in many of these last words of Jesus, it has roots and resonance in the Old Testament. Psalm 31 verse 5 is where those words stem from. They read, into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my, God, my faithful God. I want us to think about the hands of into your hands I commit my spirit. So, interactively, you're going to use them to hold bread and a cup shortly. Just look at them. They've changed, perhaps, since you last saw them. Maybe they've got blisters or dirt. Or the knuckles have grown. But they are still unique. And they are strong and flexible and are able to gesture and articulate and are expressive. They can say many things. Two uh, children were asked, you know, in that kind of um, great way that young children can can have a perception, a perspective of life. Why do lovers often hold hands? Uh, one John, John says, who's nine, they are just practicing for when they might have to walk down the aisle someday and do that holy matrimony thing. <laughs> and another boy, Dave, they want to make sure their rings don't fall off because they paid good money for them. <laughs> like that. Jesus, nailed by his hands on the cross, says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, as I I read to you from from Psalm 31, verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. Interesting that as Jesus takes those words, changes them slightly. The psalmist had got them of, O Lord, the God of truth. But in those final breaths, those final utterances of Jesus from the cross, he changes Lord to Father. Lord Yahweh, God, the great I am. To Father, the one I have known and who has known me, I trust you. The hands speak of of the power of God, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Isaiah 48, 13 says, My own hand laid the foundations of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I summoned them, they all stand together. Or Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Psalm 119, 73, your hands made me, formed me, give me understanding to learn your commands. There's power in the hands of God. He made the heavens and the earth. Graham Kendrick in that beautiful song, remember it? I think it's the third verse, has that poetic line, hands that flung stars into space to cruel nails surrendered. 
Into your hands I commit my spirit. Hands had formed so much of Jesus' ministry. Matthew 8, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man said, I'm willing, be clean, and immediately he was cured of leprosy. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, she will live. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Peter, you have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? There's something about the hands of God that speaks of power and presence. Do you remember in Luke 1, 66, everyone who heard this, about, uh, who this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be for the Lord's hand was on him? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That Jesus, as he'd been cursed and betrayed and harried and, and abandoned by the world, is trusting. Trusting the salvation of God. Trusting because that was the mandate, the mission he'd come for. Because in the Gospels we also see in the action of God, the salvation. John 10, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Have you ever seen uh, primary school children or with their parents, uh, young children, when they're crossing roads? There's a kind of steely grip, isn't there? Uh, when I've had the joy of crossing roads with my godchildren when they're little, you kind of like, come on, hold my hand. And, you know, they sort of hold it and you like, gra- you, you grab it properly. You hold on to it tightly. Nothing, but nothing will let them go. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And the hands that Jesus is trusting, the nail-marked hands. J.I. Packer, in his dense but inspirational book, says this, what matters is not that I know God, but the fact that he knows me. I am graven on the palm of his hands. I'm never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me. And there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention distracted from me and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. Someone tells the story of a a professor who described pain in this way. We once... 
rescued a wren from the claws of a cat, our cat. And its wings were broken and the frightened bird struggled to escape the loving rescuing hands. And he said, contrast that with the recent trip that he'd taken his young daughter to the doctor. She'd got um, strep throat and was really quite poorly and frightened. And she cried, no daddy, no daddy, no daddy, as the doctor peered in and did the doctor things. But all the while she gripped me tightly around the neck. And he reflected on those two instances of trying to escape and reflected that pain ought to make us more like a sick child than a hurt bird. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. There's a story about a man who visited a church. He parked his car and started towards the front entrance and another car pulled up nearby and and the driver of the second car was irritated by this first driver. I always park in that spot there. You're in my place. The visitor went inside and found that Sunday school was about to begin. He found an adult class and went inside and sat down and a class member approached him and said, my seat, you're in my place. And the visitor, now somewhat distressed by this rude welcome, said nothing. After Sunday school, the visitor went into the church service and sat down in an empty pew. Within moments, another member walked up to him and said, that's where I always sit. You took my place. The visitor was troubled but said nothing. And later, as the congregation was praying for Christ to be present with them, the visitor stood up and his appearance began to change. Scars became visible on his hands and on his sandal feet. And someone from the congregation noticed him and cried out, what happened to you? The visitor replied, I took your place. Some things that seem to happen in church can be silly. Some things scandalous, obviously. But the reminder that the church is still the body of Christ and it was for the church that Jesus died. Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. We know that resurrection comes and this meal testifies to that. Two final reflections from scripture, Acts 11. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And finally, as we eat and drink this cup and this bread, We hear those words often. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Revelation 1, 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. Let's pray together.